0: What's up, everybody? Welcome into the Wiregrass High School Football Port, brought to you by the radio people. This is your weekly look at all things high school football in the Wiregrass. I am your host, Phillip Jordan, the Institute, your host and producer for Dutch Football on I-6.9, the legend. Uh, thank you for checking out this week's podcast. Got a fun one for you guys in just a few seconds. I am going to be joined by Slocum Head Coach Richard Tisdale to talk about the Red Tops 28-16 first-round victory over Dadeville on Friday night in 3A and we'll also look ahead to their game with Hillcrest Evergreen this Friday in the second round which will also be played at home at Slogan so good conversation coming with Coach Tisdale a good 20-minute conversation we had on Sunday night then after that I will look over all the rest of the results from Wiregrass teams in the playoffs on Friday night and look ahead to round two of the postseason so a little bit different usually I'll go time for a round of wire graphs. We're kind of merging that with the schedule at the end of the episode. Before I talk to Coach Tisdale, I'll let you guys know you can find me in the podcast. You can find me on social media at PJordanscc. A lot of good football content over there. You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts. So please subscribe, rate, and review. If you leave a review, we'll read it on a future edition of the show. You can also check out the podcast over on 955.tvy.com, 969 the legendcom and 106.7 KMX. Dot com and another way to contact me, you can email me at sports at gmail.com. Now let's jump into it. Here's my conversation with Slocum Head Coach Richard Tisdale. Everybody joining me this week on the Wiregrass High School Football Report. Coming back to the show once again is Slocum Red Tops head coach Richard Tisdale, who come away from a big uh, first-round playoff victory on Friday night where Slocum defeated Dadeville 28-16. to And, uh, Coach, uh, congratulations on a win Friday night, and I appreciate you taking the time.
1: Yeah, I appreciate you calling. Like I said last time, Philip. anytime you're calling me on uh, Saturday by the podcast, it's a good deal. That means we won on Friday. So, uh A home playoff win was big for us, and, you know, get to play at home again next week. So in in two years, four playoff games in Slocum, that's a big deal.
0: You know, we were talking a little bit about the weather uh, off air, and I'll say there's two things you know when the weather turns this way. The Peanut Festival is here. And it's playoff time, and that's kind of what comes to mind when when the weather drops a little bit. Uh we get a, it, is playoff time. It's playoff time, and just you know, just the whole community there in Slocum, What was like the you know the week you know going to the playoffs, and just the atmosphere there at the game on Friday night uh, since you guys were at home.
1: Yeah, it was huge. You know, our our band does a good job. Cheerleaders. Um, our, our home side is always going to be full over there. So. It was a lot of excitement. Um, It's a little bit different this year. and I told the boys it's a good thing is last year when we made it, you know, there was a different news station out there every day, and this year there wasn't. And uh, I told them, I said, guys, that's a compliment. That means it's not front-page news that we made the playoffs or we're hosting or we won the region. I said, so we're starting to expect some success is where you want to be. And so uh, I was proud of the kids all week kind of blocking out some distractions and not celebrating just being in the playoffs. I mean, you want to do that, but that's not the end goal. And uh, to really have a good week of practice and come out and play hard Friday night, just really proud of those guys.
0: And, and you know, this is something you know during the season your players, coaches talk about. You know, one game time, every game's the same thing. But when you get to the playoffs, well, what's that? What's that big difference? You know, in mentality or just uh, your attitude? Is there anything different that though when you do get to the postseason?
1: Um, uh, yeah, a little bit because you do, you do know it's win or go home. We we try to approach every game. Um, that, that it's win or go home. You try to have one of that mentality because of our region. You know, this year, um, with us coming down to the very last game to win the region, you know, our, our region's been tough every year and it's always come down to the last game or a tiebreaker or something like that. So you almost have that playoff mentality every single week. Um, I mean, we've been down before to the tiebreakers where your opponent's wins that you beat, you know, a tiebreaker in or something. So... I think you can't wait till the playoffs to instill that in your kids. I think it has to be something you build on each week of the season. I, honestly, I don't think we did a great job of that early in the year. And uh, as the season went, our kids matured, and, and we did a better job as coaches. Um, those guys had that mentality. And I think that's what's helped us down this little stretch run we've made versus off in Wicksburg and Hartford and, and, and now actually in the playoffs just treating it like it is a playoff game.
0: Yeah, because I was about to ask. It's kind of like you guys, in a way, have been in the playoffs already. Because you know, every week, every game is important, especially in the region. You know, to become region champions once again, it was you know a must win. Almost a, I wouldn't say must win, but you know, you know, you needed that game each week. So it's kind of how already got that mentality uh, set in your players that you know it's playoff time.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. And and you know, we dropped that one ha, and then it made the next ones must win. When you go through and you got Delville, New Brockton, Opwicksburg. Um, And so you kind of had that mentality going in because, you know, one of our goals every year is to win the region, not just to try to squeak in the playoffs. And and so I definitely think it helps. I don't think you can wait till the postseason to start talking about it. I think it's something you have to talk about every single week.
0: Yeah, I guess, you know, we mentioned this uh, last time I had you on, and, of course, you mentioned it in the preseason, you know, winning program versus winning team. And it kind of, I guess, does all tie back to that comment from earlier in the year.
1: Yeah, it really does. And it's a credit to the kids and, and how hard they've worked. Um, you know, when you go back, I love looking at that page. I usually look at an off season, that history of Alabama high school football. If you never looked at that, um, and you're out there, it's it's an interesting looking to see that. Um, you know, this is the first time that we've done this in a long time out here. Um, I think o three o four maybe or o two o three. I can't remember exactly now. Is the last time we've had this much success in Slocum? So, you know, I told these kids that they're they're changing the the history out here and they're they're making it where it's expected of them every year, and they're the ones that did that. So just really exciting for these guys that their names are going to be in the history books forever. And when they bring their sons out there to watch games and, and their sons are playing, they can talk. They're the guys that really did it. They're not Uncle Rico that said, if Coach would have put me in. You know, they, they really did make it happen. And so I think it's exciting for them just for the rest of their life to be be part of this community and be part of this history.
0: Yeah, who whoever came up with that website and put it together, I just say bless you because I I use it regularly. Uh, there was one week where it was down and I was <laughs> upset because that's where I go every week, probably two or three times a week after the games and then do you know getting ready for the podcast in the upcoming uh, week. I use that website all the time. Now uh, going into the game against Daysville, coming into game, okay, what was about them that was concerning that you know you, you had to make sure you guys took care of and kind of had to stop to come out with a victory.
1: Yeah, their offense—they're um, kind of a—I mean, it's in a, as a compliment—a throwback offense. They're in the eye; um, that's all they're going to run is eye, and, and they're downhill and run it right at you. <clears throat> they love to run power, um, lead. They'll run some sweep and bootleg pass, and so we made an adjustment. So usually, most of the teams in our league are spread teams, and we have kind of a smaller outside linebacker out there. So we move one of our defensive linemen that's a little bit bigger and put him an outside linebacker to try to stop that power, which is their number one play um and, and so that was kind of the mentality going into it and whatever else they did they did but we're not gonna let them just run the ball right at us was our goal going into it and so um that was ec more and we moved out there from d line to outside linebacker made him a stand-up end out there and man he did a great job taking on those kickout blocks and then um Osel Moore and his brother a linebacker braylon miller who you hear about every single week and then on the defensive line uh michael ward doing a great job you know he's our undersized nose down there you know there's I think people that don't know a lot of football may look at his body size and say, man, he's to be the end or an edge rusher or an outside linebacker. But when you see what that joker can do with his hand on the ground, it's unbelievable. And anybody that knows any football knows it, that he wreaks havoc on the D line down there. So I'm um, proud of him. I mean, he's at nose one time, takes on the center, gets knocked down, gets up, and then makes a play in the backfield. And, you know, wow. just uh, the effort he gives each week at, you know, 5'8", 165 playing nose in 3A, it's just unbelievable. So – those guys up front had to make it happen and they did and did a good job for us and so just really proud of our defensive line of linebackers um you know trying to slow down their run game
0: yes nowadays i guess in football when you see a team have a fullback it's kind of whoa what's this all about because the fullback has almost become an extinct position in in football at all levels
1: yeah it is and boy they they rotated two or three in there and one of them number 40 um he was a grown man back there playing and he was good but but it was something we hadn't seen a lot of um, this year, and so it was a little bit of adjustment for our kids, And but they did a great job and, and like I say, moving a few kids around and then it would take that. Just a credit to them and a credit to our coaches, getting them ready.
0: So, you know, coming out, you know, first position you guys went on a long drive. Uh, it capped off with a Jalen uh, Nobles touchdown there. Uh, what, what was working for you guys early on in the game, especially with that drive?
1: Well, Coach McDonald did a good job. He was at Carroll, you know, forever around here, and the whole time he was there, he was a 4-4 guy. He was always in a 4-4. Every game on film we had was a 4-4, and he came on an odd front. Um, and so it's not something he usually runs. Um, we like to run midline a lot, and, um, and so he got an odd front to make midline a bit harder for us to run. So we had to make an adjustment. We end up running a lot of our outside zone stuff with, with Jalen and Rashawn, um, throwing the ball a little bit too down the field when we need to. Um, and so, just our offensive line doing a good job staying on blocks. So um, we were watching film today earlier, just watching those guys staying on blocks, ten or fifteen yards downfield. The and then uh, with Jalen and Rashawn carrying out fakes, doing things that you don't see, our receivers blocking downfield, those types of things. And so um, we were able to, to run some different formations, do some different stuff, and uh, just kind of run the ball off tackle and run the outside zone down the field. And uh, end up getting a score on first possession, which is always a good good way to start the game.
0: Now, I want to ask you uh, about the kicking game a little bit because you had two 40-yard uh, field goals in this one with uh, uh, Azel Morin. I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. But he had a 44- and a 40-yard field goal in there, uh, obviously showing us some, some good leg strength there to uh, put it through the uprights.
1: Yeah, it is. And, and I think 44, I know it's the longest since I've been here at Slocum. I don't know. You know, Matt's um, our stat guy we were talking about. There may have been one longer. Um, he's been doing stats for about 25 years. So, there may have been one longer in the past somewhere, but uh, he did a great job for us um, with field goals. And, and watching him in pregame, he was booming them. And, and we talked about with Coach Wojtek, our special teams coordinator, you know, like how far do you feel good about kind of deal. And uh, so him and that 44-yarder was absolutely huge, and they hit another one uh, the 40-yarder later um, was big for us. And I mean, you, know, you can kick field goals in high school football. It's a weapon for sure. And uh, and so just, you know, going down there and getting points every time you cross a 30, um, that's a good thing. So those were huge lifts for us, um, and, and seeing him kick it through and the work he puts in to do that because, you know, we're not a big school that has just a kicker. You know, I Moore is, is also our middle linebacker and plays offensive line, and his swim brother, ECE Moore, that kicks off is also uh, what we talked about earlier, D. And a D-lineman and an um, offensive tackle for us. So we don't have kickers that can just walk in there and kick it wherever they want and so th- they do a good job kicking, but they're having to play football the whole game, too, and and so just really proud of both of those guys uh, in the kicking game, and, and yeah, I saw hitting those two field goals was huge for us.
0: Yeah, and uh, talking about the second quarter a little bit, because they got a little, you know, they got some points up there, you know, obviously they went in halftime up 16 to 13. Uh, what was going on there in the second quarter for you guys, and uh, what were they doing?
1: Yeah, they hit a couple big pass plays on us, um, and, and they threw it over there. Brody Campbell, he's our corner, he's a lockdown corner for us, and and we got all the confidence in the world for him. It's, to be honest we he was in perfect coverage, and the quarterback underthrew the ball a little bit on the go route. And the kid came back and, and made a couple of catches there. And they, met, they had a long run, about 20-yard run. We just didn't fit the right hole, and they get a touchdown. Um, we get the ball back with about a minute 40 left. And I've got a decision to either kind of sit on the ball and run the clock out or, or try to score more time. And so I'm, I'm usually going to go try to score one more time. And we do. We have a miscommunication on our route and uh, end up throwing an interception and giving the ball again. Um, which, which our defense did a good job that time and just hold them to a field goal. So, um, it, it was a little fireworks right there, not going our way in the second quarter. Um, but, but proud of our kids for not holding their head down, not, not getting rattled and just playing through all that. And, uh, again, I put us in a bad position with the play call. Um, you know, hindsight, you think maybe do you run the clock out? Do you do that? But, um, it worked out for us in the end, but but I'm I'm usually I'm not Lane Kiffin as, but I'm gonna gamble a little bit. I can't go as far as he goes, but I like to gamble. I like to keep our foot on the gas, and we got the offensive weapons we do.
0: I don't think anybody goes as far as he does with some fourth down calls. So, uh... hey,
1: I want to now. Don't think it ain't going through my mind. I want to. I love it, but sometimes you gotta you can't always do that. But if my buyout was ten million dollars, I might could do it. But my buyout is I got to go buy groceries, so I gotta rethink that sometimes.
0: You got to have an analytics guy on the sideline. I guess that's what Lane Kiffin does. Uh, that's anyway. right. <laughs> so um, in in the second half, uh, they they moved the ball a couple times, but your defense really stepped up and uh, held them out of the end zone. You know, it's kind of like something uh, with the Pittsburgh game. I remember the same thing happened. You know, there were po- points in that game where Witchburg moved the ball, but you got to stop them at the end of the day. It's about points. If you score, you don't. You know, that's the stat that's that matters. Uh, Talk about your defense, the stepping up like they did there on Friday night to hold Daveville out of the end zone.
1: Yeah, they did such a good job coming out. You know, we had to give them the ball to start the second half, and uh, we kick off to them. Um they drive down the field and, and do a good job. They get inside, I believe they're inside the ten and we bow up and get some stops. Um and Coach Harrington, we pretty much ran the defense we ran. We we tried a couple things in the second quarter that really uh, I think in hindsight we wouldn't have done. Um but we're trying to change it up a little bit. So second half he comes out and I talked about Michael Ward earlier. We had moved Michael to one of the ends <clears throat> and trying to get him upfield a little bit to, to cause some disruption. And so we ended up putting a bigger kid in the end, Wyatt Robinson, who did a good job for us, and moved Michael back down to nose where he normally plays. And uh, that was really the big adjustment we made. Um, and then, again, the, we joked about it today is that if every drive starts from the 20, our defense is great because it's like when they when the team gets inside the 20, they decide to bow up and you're not getting any more. And so um, they got inside, I think they are about the eight-yard line, and we ran a corner blitz with, with Brody and got a loss. And then, you know, again, when you're in the eye and you can get them in second, third, and long, you got a shot. And then – we backed them up, and they, they kicked the field goal, and, and they missed that. We got a little pressure on them. I don't know if that caused it or not, but um a huge stop to start the second half.
0: Yeah, I know it also mixed in with there. You had an interception from Jalen Nobles, and then one of the drives, I don't know, 80 yards, it was it was a Rashad Miller and Jalen Nobles uh, drive there. Just to talk about them guys, you know, just not just offensively, you know, with Jalen Nobles too, but, you know, what they bring on defense too as well.
1: Yeah, that, um, the 80 yard drive came right after that missed field goal and they drove it down there. Um, and then again, it's Coach Harrington. To be honest with you, if you saw the quote Jalen had in the paper, he said, honestly, I will stand there and they threw it to me. Coach Harrington, um, had him scouted pretty well and rolled Jalen down to the alley and they, they literally throw it right to him. So both of those guys play, um, defense for us as well. Jalen at safety and Rashawn at outside linebacker and, and they do a good job for us there. Um, you know, with those two guys and as athletic as they are and they carry the ball so many times, you know, we try to get them off defense. If we can, we just kind of run out uh, at some point. Um, and and so they played both sides of the ball for us. And then, you know, every time I talk about defense, I talk about Braylon Miller, our middle linebacker. And, you know, I catch some grief sometimes for some coaches that pay to get in to Wyatt and Braylon on offense more. And Braylon could really help us on offense, to be honest with you. But people, again, if you know football, you know how important a middle linebacker is. And if we were to lose Braylon or Braylon was tired, um, Rashawn and Jalen can do the things they do. And so Braylon really makes us go on defense, setting that inside middle linebacker spot for us and, and making that happen. And just really valuable kid for our team, a leader. Uh, well, his first highlight against Hartford was the Henderson kid runs sweep and he runs him down and makes a play on, and tries to get him any cuts back. And so um, just having those three guys on defense, as athletic as they are, and they're good kids, um, that, that's the great thing about it. They're fun to coach. They want to get better. They're selfless. They don't care who gets the glory. They just want to win. Um, and it makes it really fun having those guys out there on defense. So
0: they, you guys go up 28-16, you go in the fourth quarter, and uh, no score at all, but you guys shut them out there in the fourth quarter. Just so, how big was it, you know, carrying out momentum into the fourth quarter and be able, special on the defense side of the ball, to, to pretty much prevent them from doing anything and to come out with this thing with a victory?
1: Yeah, it was huge, you know, and they're, as part of their game plan, what they do, they use a lot of clock. You know he's gonna snap it. You know less than ten seconds every single time, and try to limit our possessions. Uh, You know we only punted one time, we had the one interception, and still only scored twenty eight points. So that's because they hold the ball so much. And so when we finally get it back to fourth quarter, um, we end up having a turnover on downs. And um, and so we it's fourth down and seven. I call a real conservative run play instead of trying to throw it just to make sure nothing bad happened. Um, And then they get the ball back and they try to throw like a little swing pass ends up being a backwards pass, and we can get it back and run it out. But um yeah you know it goes back to game plan stuff in the fourth quarter I mean you can try to punch one more in but the goal is to win not to try to score more points and and so we had a, a good lead and their offense again likes to drive the field so we wanted to make sure we made them do that so uh, again coach Harrington makes a little change in the fourth quarter of our defense and we're not quite as aggressive coming downhill and just kind of keep them in front of us and, and we give them you know the three and four yard runs that we're trying to stop earlier we're okay with that because we're gonna try to make them score twice in the fourth quarter we thought that'd be kind of hard for them so I'm just really proud of proud of those guys finishing off the fourth quarter. You know, go into I don't know the last time we went into halftime down like that um, when, when they had the other team at the momentum, you know. And so we go in like that, and, and the kids responded. And, and they came out third quarter, played hard, fourth quarter, played hard. You know, that's what you want. At the end of the night when you walk off the field, you want everybody to say, man, those kids played harder than the other team. And uh, I really feel like our kids did that Friday night.
0: You know, real quick before I jump into this Friday's uh, game with Hillcrest Evergreen, just, you know, you mentioned that they are, at Dadeville, they're a team that likes to run clock. Does that does that change your mindset as a play caller or the way you want to run your offense to a degree when you know that the other team on the other side may chew up clock and, in a way, take a few possessions away what you're used to having? Because, you know, like you said, they like to run clock, so they may limit how many possessions you get versus where, when you play teams, like you said earlier, they'll run more of the spread offenses.
1: Yeah, it does, and you got to be careful of that um, because early, if you do it early in the game, that's part of what they want to do is get you out of your game plan and get you trying to get the quick hits and, you know, the quick scores and and get you out of what you really want to do. So as long as we had the lead or we, we were within one score, I wasn't going to change anything. If we were to go down two scores, I would have had to really uh, really thought about what we're going to do offensively. But, you know, it's a great game plan. It's one that we'll try to pull out, and we think – a uh, team is better than us. We'll try to slow the game down. If they got a powerful offense, you know, we don't want them touching the ball. You know, we played op. You know, we'd run it down to five seconds every time when we snapped because they could score so quickly. Uh, and that's what you want to do is get the other guys out. So we we kept the same mentality, but we knew going into it, if we were to go down two scores, we're going to have to speed up just a little bit. But thankfully, you know, fourth quarter, we were the ones getting to sit on the ball and let, let the clock run down. So that's a good feeling when you're doing that.
0: So, uh, looking ahead to this Friday, of course, everybody listening, you know, whenever you listen to during the week, we did record this on Sunday evening. Uh, You guys will be playing Hillcrest Evergreen again. You'll be at home this Friday, just, uh, you know, sitting here on Sunday. Uh, What do you know about them, and uh, what's going to be key for you to come out with a victory on Friday night?
1: Well, they're really well coached. Mike Dean's their head coach, and uh, if you know that name, I think he was at Delville for a little bit, Charles Henderson. Um, took Charles Charleston to the state championship game, and so when you look at them on film, my goodness, it looks like a college football team. They're so athletic. Um, their defensive backs, um, are are tall, athletic, can move. They'll hit you. Um, their their linemen are big guys. I think their line, um, they're going to be 280 and above across their offensive line, defensive line. Um, they've got a running back, and um, the only kid I could compare him to is the Henderson kid at Harper, Um, number three for them, he can go. He every time he touches the ball, he's got a chance to score. So defensively, it's going to try to make them drive the field, not let them have, you know, big chunk plays and uh, do what we got to do there. And then offensively, it's going to be tough. I'm just going to be honest with you. They're huge up front. They're fast in the secondary. So we're going to be patient. Um, take what they give us, you know, short passing game, short runs, and then if we have a chance to take a shot, we take a shot. Um, but, but they're extremely athletic, extremely well coached. Um, they play really physical. Um, but they do have to come to us, and we always think you know playing in our place is an advantage for us. So we hope that hope that helps us get us going and then just take care of the ball and, and not give a big place to them.
0: All right, it's going to be exciting. Uh, of course, I wish you uh, wish you guys all the luck this Friday. And uh, Coach Cisdale, as always, I always appreciate you you coming on the show. Uh, we're about to hit 20 minutes. I think this has probably been our longest conversation since uh, I've been doing the podcast when I have you on. Uh, but I do appreciate you uh, when you do come on the show, and uh, uh, good luck to you and the Red Tops this Friday night.
1: Thanks, Bill. Anytime I get on and talk about these kids, I get to coach every day. I'm all about it. So sometimes you're going to have to just shut me up so you can uh, get off when you need to. But no, I appreciate you. And like I always say, I appreciate what you do for high school sports and promoting it and, and making these kids big time because that's what they are. And, and they're, you know, they're big time to us, big time to Slocum and, and big time to the Wiregrass. So thank you for your coverage and, uh, and reaching out. All
0: right, thanks again to Coach Tisdale for coming on this week's edition of the Wiregrass High School Football Report. And now we're going to look at the rest of the Wiregrass, what happened in the playoffs for the rest of the Wiregrass teams. And we're going to start with 7A, uh, where Enterprise defeated Fairhope 35-10. to uh, So Enterprise now goes to 8-3 and three on the season. They held Fairhope to just 148 yards of total offense. Really great defensive performance there. Uh, Fairhope came in to this game ranked fourth in the state in offense. So really – Really great show for Enterprise there. They have dealt with injuries on the defense side of the ball all year long. Uh, We talked about that with Josh Boutwell on previous episodes of the podcast, and they were led in this game also by Michael Johnson with 136 yards and two touchdowns. Now, Enterprise will play 7A Region 2 foe Auburn on this Friday, who are 9-2 in a year. These two teams played just a few weeks ago on the 22nd where Auburn won 48-22 in that one. And Auburn last week beat Baker 39-3. And 6A, the only team in Wiregrass playing the playoffs in 6A you follow, they lost to Hueytown 50-13 to in this one. And uh, that puts you follow ends the year at 5-6 on the year. Remember, they made the playoffs because Cedar Lanier, who was sitting in third in 6A Region 2, had to forfeit six games uh, playing an ineligible player. So then that move Carver to the three spot and you follow to the four, but you follow it. Season is over and ends the year at five and six. In five A Central Clay defeated Carroll forty-one to fourteen for Carroll to end the year at four and seven on the year. Uh, this one was thirty-four to zero at halftime, and Aluja defeated Silicaga forty-two to seven, and they will host Demopolis this Friday, who beat BC Rain. Forty-nine to six in the first round, and a little history between these two teams, uh, Andalusia and Demopolis. This will be just the third meeting all time between the two schools. In Andalusia, they are two and zero in those meetings. In four A, number seven Hanley defeated Geneva forty-two to six. So Geneva ends the year at six and five. Uh, they did have their one touchdown was Logan Adams to Preston Garner. A uh, strong other four A team in the area. Uh, that was in the playoffs. They lost to Cherokee County, thirty-four to twenty-six. In this one, Strong goes to seven and four to close out the season. Strong was up, or, excuse me. Strong was down twenty-eight to fourteen at one point in this game. They did, they did roar back in this one They make it close, but Cherokee County was able to pull away uh, late in that one. Uh, jumping in 3A, of course, we already know the Slocum scored. It, of course, we were talking with Coach Tisdale earlier. Uh, but number one Montgomery Catholic defeated Houston Academy 56-7. So Houston Academy ends the season at 6-5. Uh, their running back, Jeb Daughtry, had 16 yards, but he did eclipse the 1,000-yard mark for the season. So disappointing on the team side, but for him, congratulations on going over 1,000 yards on the year. Op defeated Realtown 35-6. to so Op continues their season. They are 9-2 right now. Uh, they will be at T.R. Miller, who beat Hill County 20-7 in the first round. Uh, Op is 14-20 all-time against T.R. Miller. And in 2017, the last time these two schools played, T.R. Miller won that one 54-0. And then Trinity defeated Wicksburg 51-23. to uh, So Wicksburg closes out the season at 7-4. And 2A, now this was on thursday night bb Comer defeated gw long 37 29 gw long is their season at eight and two but give gw long a lot of credit here they were down 30 to seven into the fourth they made a furious comeback they got within 30 22 they scored three touchdowns there in the fourth quarter bb Comer scored in a touchdown and then gw long scored in a touchdown That made it 37 to 29 and then a Late onside kick was unsuccessful, so GW Long was not able to get the ball back, and B.B. Comer did win this one. Uh, for GW Long, though, Trevor Morse had 140 yards and two touchdowns. Lynette defeated Geneva County 18-0. It was only 6-0 going into the fourth quarter, so a very defensive game here. Uh, Lynette did a, a great job in this game defensively, uh, holding Geneva County to zero points because Geneva County is a really, really good offensive football team, and as Geneva County ends the year at 5-6. and six. Elba defeated Ranburn fifty-five to twenty. Had twenty unanswered points there in the second half. They were up thirty-five to twenty, uh, going into the locker room at halftime. So twenty unanswered points. They are ten and one on the season. Uh, big day for Alvin Henderson, their running back. He had two hundred three yards and four touchdowns. They will play Highland Home, who is six and five on the year. They will be on the road at Highland Home. Uh, they are seven and five. Elba all-time in matchups with highland home now highland home did beat orange beach 28 to 7 in the first round and the last two times ta- last time these two programs had play each other was in 2015 when Elba won 64 to 6 lastly in 2a number six Ayrton defeated lafayette 48 to 20 this puts Ayrton out 10 to 1 on the year big game from Jordan Smith and Ian Sin. Jordan Smith had 228 yards, three touchdowns. Ian Smith Sin, the quarterback, was 12 of 21, 109 yards, two touchdowns, and he ran for 80 and one touchdowns as well. Now they will be at Clark County this Friday, who is 9-2 in a year. This is the first ever meeting between these two schools. Clark County defeated Thorsby 47 to 8 on Friday night. And then finally in 1A, Brantley defeated RC Hatch 59 to 6 to continue their undefeated. Uh, season they will play Millery, who's eight and three. This is the first ever meeting between these two programs. And Millery defeated, and I hope I'm not butchering and saying this uh, school's name wrong, but Lochapoca, I'm sure someone can correct me out there on the internet. Listen to this. Uh, they defeated him 28 to 18. Linden defeated Sampson 20 to 12. So Sampson's season ends at seven and four, uh, but it's had a big game from Josh Lowry, who had 124 in one touchdown. Number 10, Kinson defeated. Central of Haynesville 10-6 to in the first ever home playoff game for Kenston. It's also the first time in school history they have been ranked. This is their first playoff victory since 1987. Jeff Crosby had a late touchdown to uh, give the win to Kenston. And they will be at number two, Sweetwater, who is 10-0 on the year. They beat Billingsley 49-0. This is the first ever meeting between Kenston and Sweetwater. So that's your scores. That is your schedule for round two of the playoffs when it comes to area teams here in the wiregrass. So uh, let's hope uh, some more wiregrass teams can keep playing and go to the third round. Let's how about last year. We had two teams in the area uh, make state championship games. It'd be really awesome. If we could have something like that again this year. Uh, Once again, thanks to coach Richard Tisdale from Slocum for being on the show. A lot of fun having him on. Uh, We'll be back next week to recap the second round of playoffs and uh, talk to somebody either covering or one of these coaches involved with one of these teams. Remember, you can find me on social media at PJORDANSEC. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, so please subscribe, rate, and review. Leave a review. I will read it on a future edition of the show. And Remember, you can also listen to the show on 95.5.tvy.com, 96.9thelegend.com, and 1067 Also, download the apps too, for those great stations. And, uh, if you want to get up with me, another way to do so is hit me an email at sports.philipjordan at gmail.com hope everybody has a great, great week. Go check out some second-round playoff games this Friday night. I'll talk to you guys next week, and I'll talk to you later
1: on down the road.